Imagine your new bathroom. A sparkling new tub, a modern shower conversion, a seamless new wall, all done in as little as a day. Introducing Bathfitter. Join over 2 million customers delighted with our one-of-a-kind remodeling process. No demolition, no mess. Guaranteed for life. Installed in as little as a day. Book a free in-home consultation at bathfitterpodcasts.com and get our best offer of the year right now. Bathfitter, 35 years of better bath remodels. Welcome to the New Heights Show on Education. This is Pamela Clark, your host, and you're listening to Education in the News. Have a lot of news stories and lots of happenings happening, so let's get right on into the news. This is from the 74, and it says, uh, the title is, Illuminate Education Could Face Consequences for Breach. Illuminate Education, the company reportedly at fault in a security breach that affected millions of students in six states, could be removed as a pledge signatory of the Student Privacy Pledge. The self-regulatory pledge, co-created by the Software and Information Industry Association, has been criticized for not doing more to enforce sanctions. The next story I have for you is from National Public Radio, and it says um, students lag behind pre-pandemic benchmarks. As students return to in-person learning, data from the most recent school year finds that students are learning at a pre-pandemic pace, yet are still lagging behind typical benchmarks. In this interview, Jill Barche, a writer at the Heckinger Report, discusses the findings and the long-term impl- implications. So you can uh, go to www.npr.org to uh, see this story. And it was written by um, Michelle Martin, but it's um, M-I-C-H-E-L is how you spell her first name. And you can read all about it. And um, there's also a playlist of where she talks about it. Just FYI, if you're interested. GeekWire reports that U.S. places second in international rocketry challenge. The U.S., represented by a team from Newport High School in Bellevue, Washington, took second place at the international rocketry challenge with Team Japan winning the event. Quote, They garnered hands-on engineering experience and overcame countless technical challenges, just as the engineers throughout our industry do do every day, said Aerospace Industries Association President and CEO Eric Fanning of the U.S. team. The journal reports that a California school district offers reading PD for teachers online. When tackling reading and equity and access, one California school district adopted a professional development system that allowed teachers to expand their skills on their own schedules. Kristen Anderson, a director for the Hemet Unified School District, recommends developing a clear plan of action for such technology-driven initiatives and gaining teacher buy-in for the best results. 
Smart Brief on Education reports that teachers offer how to adapt tech for stu- to, to, to students' needs. An organizational structure known as TPAC, all capital letters, technology, pedagogic, and content knowledge can help students integrate technology in lessons, writes Brianna Waste, a 7th grade pre-algebra teacher in Minnesota. In this blog post, Waste writes that a TPAC lesson on living organisms could include a video advertisement about students' findings, which they were which they share with the class or post on a classroom blog. The New York Times reports that New York City plans to cut schools budget temporarily halted. Justice Lyle Frank of the state Supreme Court in Manhattan has issued the temporary injunction to block budget cuts for New York City schools in response to a lawsuit filed by parents and teachers. Under the ruling, the city's 2021-2022 school year or school budget will continue until a final decision is made. The journal reports that an educator helps build Minecraft teaching tool. Microsoft's Global Minecraft Student Ambassador Sponsors Program started from the direct efforts of a game creator and teacher, Felissa Ford, who helped develop the educational game, The Mindful Night. Ford is not an experienced Minecraft user, but says its potential, but saw its potential to its popularity among the students and set about building a Minecraft world that would teach emotional intelligence through interaction. CNBC reports that social media nurtures young adults in impulsive spending. Social media sites hurt young people's financial stability, more than 50% say in a Credit Karma survey, as seeing other people's posts about experiences and purchases spurs 40% to spend on experiences rather than paying bills and other necessities. The report also found that 23% of U.S. residents have no emergency savings and housing eats up half a month's paycheck for 32%. The next news stories I have from you, I'm taking from MiddleWeb on Smart Brief. But this story was picked up by KNTV TV in San Francisco. California students learn backyard game from a pro. Students at San Joaquin Elementary School in Stockton, California recently learned how to play cornhole or cornhole from a pro former assistant principal and current sixth grade teacher Nate Voyer, who is also a member of the American Cornhole League. After learning about the different types of shots and throwing techniques, the students moved outside to test their skills at the game. The next thing I have for you is from Education Week, and it says, Teachers see web telescope, web with two Bs, W-E-B-B, as a chance to hook students. 
Teachers can use images from the James Webb Space Telescope, the most powerful telescope in history, to teach astronomy, scientific method, and other topics, says Jennifer Bassalari, a fifth grade teacher in Florida. There are teaching resources available, including from NASA and Northrop Grumman and Greg Flick, a ninth grade science teacher in North Syracuse, New York, says he'll have students model work done by scientists to identify new planets. <clears throat> and M Live in Michigan picked up this story. In this title, two-week course introduces students to machining. 22 Jackson County, Michigan students in grades 7 through 9th grade, double last year's enrollment, are participating in the two-week machining U, and it's just the letter U, presented by the Jackson Area Manufacturers Association. The students learn about welding, machining, and potential careers, working on such projects as building a solar car and ideally taking an educational path into their trade workforce. JAMA, all capital letters, J-A-M-A, Vice President Olivia Still says. Okay, got a few repeats here. This story was picked up by KXAN-TV in Austin, Texas. Districts require students to store phones. Middle and high school students in a Texas school district will be required to lock their cell phones in magnetically sealed pouches during the school day. The approach to take effect in the next school year requires students to bring the pouches to school and keep them with them while on campus. Okay, got a few repeats again. Bear with me for a moment. The next news stories I have from Ohio Department of Education, news clips, state and local education news. Robert Hoon is the new director of teaching and learning in Bay Village Schools. Cleveland.com reports that interim superintendent and director of teaching and learning at Bay Village Schools, Char Shuryak, sorry if I butchered that, um, has announced her retirement in her place, Bay Village resident Robert Hoon, who was Parma School's Director of Exceptional Students, has been hired. Hoon will begin his new contract on August the 1st. In Columbus, NBC4 News reports that Reynoldsburg schools look for new superintendent. Reynoldsburg City Schools is searching for a new superintendent after the candidate originally selected to fill the role has switched to a consulting position. Dr. Garely Ogden was originally selected in May to be the district superintendent. The district announced Monday that Dr. Dan Good would serve as interim superintendent. Belfountain Examiner reports that it's time to, quote, stuff the bus. Back-to-school ads abound, and the calendar is about to turn to August. That means it's time to stuff the bus in Logan County. United Way of Logan's County's 
annual country-wide school supply drive begins this week and runs through August 22nd. Four dozen locations throughout the county are collecting items that will be sorted and delivered for use in every Logan County school. And the Youngstown Vindicator reports that a camp teaches tech skills. Area youth have gained skills using the newest technology as part of an annual summer camp offered at the Excellence Training Center at Youngstown State University. Cynthia Manifsky, business operations specialist at the center, said that each week's camp is limited to 10 children from the Tri-County area. Quote, we have 10 design stations where they can design their cars. There are 10 3D printers they can also use, she said. The next news I have for you is going to be taken from ASCD Smart Brief. WBPF-TV in Palm Beach Gardens, Florida, reported that Florida County pairs barbershops with literacy program. The Barbershops Book Program in Martin County, Florida, aims to increase literacy by providing small libraries inside barbershops owned by people of color. The program was made possible through funding from the American Rescue Plan Act and includes literacy training for participating barbers. Lots of repeats again. The Gazette in Cedar Rapids, Marion, Iowa, reports that Peace Camp aims to teach students about anti-racism skills. Students in Iowa, Iowa are preparing to attend Peace Camp, which are where they will learn anti-racism skills. Nearly 50 students are signed up to attend the camp where they are expected to learn to identify racial bias and how to safely address it. I don't know about you, but I certainly hope that they um, teach them about all racial biases because there are racial biases from people of all ethnic backgrounds. So I certainly hope they cover it fully and not just... Uh, one side. The News and Advance in Lynchburg, Virginia, reports that parents will be notified about books children check out. Parents in a Virginia school district will be notified via email this fall when their chil- when their child or children check out books from the school library. More information about the titles will be available on the school library's website. I think that's a good idea. What do you think of that one? Okay, the next stories I have from you are from Fee. Fee Fee.org, F-E-E. And it's the first one that I have for you. It's written by John um, Miltimore, and it says, Five-year-old fined $200 for selling lemonade. (laughs) My daughter burst into tears. Again, repeating again and again, 
Have I done a bad thing? I can't imagine anything, imagine a worse introduction to entrepreneurship than that experience by this little girl in which four uniformed men arrive, shut you down, and find you an amount of money larger than you can comprehend. Isn't that terrible? So there's a picture of this little girl, and she's pouting, and she has her lemonade stand. And um, this is a repeat article, actually, that they're resharing, but I thought it was kind of cute, but not cu- I mean... It's not funny. It really is not funny. But it's worth rereading. And um, there's good and bad in it, uh, I hope. (laughs) I mean, it kind of depends on your point of view, obviously. But on summer evenings when I drive home from work, I often see small children selling lemonade in my neighborhood. Most of the time, I honk my horn and wave, but occasionally I'll pull up and purchase a cup, usually for 25 cents. I happen to like lemonade, but that's usually not my primary motivation for stopping to purchase a glass. Rather, it's to offer a bit of encouragement to the budding entrepreneurs who've put in the work and taken time to set up shop in hopes of making a small profit for themselves and to just have some fun. Industry Reach, exchange, and entrepreneurship seem like virtues an aspiring society would wish to foster in their young app. Alas, this is often not the case. Shaking down a five-year-old. In this Thursday article for a Telegram, a man named Andre Spicer wrote about the experience of his five-year-old daughter who tried to open a small lemonade stand in the family's East London neighborhood. After about 30 minutes, four local councilmen and enforcement officers stormed up to her little table and he wrote, Excuse me, one officer said as he switched on a portable camera attached to his vest. He then read a lengthy legal statement, the gist of which was that because my daughter didn't have a trading permit, she would be fined $195. But don't worry, it's only $117 if it's paid quickly, the officer added. Spicer later wrote, my daughter burst into tears, repeating again and again, have I done a bad thing? I can't imagine a worse introduction to entrepreneurship than that experienced by Andrew Spicer's little girl in which four uniformed men arrive, shut you down, and find you an amount larger than you can comprehend. Before one becomes tempted to think such things, only happen in Europe, I'll point out this sort of thing also happens routinely in the U.S. Mowing the lawn for a neighbor, watching a friend's pet, helping a deaf person communicate, many other simple tasks can result in sharp fines in many states if one accepts monetary compensation without the appropriate permit, which is often quite expensive. Who are these laws for? These consumer protection laws usually help special interest groups and governments much more than the consumers. As Adam Smith wrote in The Wealth of Nations, the interest of the dealers, however, in any particular branch of trade or manufacturers is also in some respects different from and even opposite to that of the public. To widen the market and to narrow the competition is always the interest of dealers. 
Worse yet, such regulations impede entrepreneurship and teach the wrong lesson to people seeking to make their way in life. Ronald Reagan once observed, quote, entrepreneurs and their small enterprises are responsible for almost all the economic growth in the United States. Considering that the U.S. economy has not eclipsed 3% annual growth since 2005, might it be time to consider creating a climate that fosters entrepreneurship and free exchange instead of stifling it. Isn't that terrible? Nothing cute about any of that. I mean, the picture's cute that I'm looking at, and she had done such a lot of work. She has a really cute little white table, and her lemonade is just like you'd picture, like, you know, one of the older lemonade pours, and she even has, like, a couple little wood crates with lemons in a bucket and her little uh, it's like a pop bottle that she's putting her change into and she had like a little black chalkboard that said 50 cents and some flowers even I mean it, it was such a perfect setting such a welcoming setting so much so many little details and here that happens to her it's really just awful Okay, another story by uh, fee.org was written by Brittany Hunter. And this is also an older story that's recycling through. So it says, without the state, who will handcuff teens for selling water bottles? Over-enforcement has become all too common when it comes to youthful attempts at entrepreneurship. Tourists take a stroll around the National Monuments this past weekend might have wondered what horrible crime was committed by a group of black teenagers sitting handcuffed and detained on the sidewalk. But while Im imaginations may run wild, the truth of the matter is extremely tame. The only offense these teens were guilty of was selling bottled water without first asking the government for permission. If this seems like an overreaction on the part of law enforcement, that is because that absolutely is. However, this over-enforcement has become all too common when it comes to youth attempts at entrepreneurship. During the hot summer months when school-aged children are liberated from their oppressive classrooms, going to set it better myself, many have discovered the wonders of capitalism only to be shut down by local authorities. Just a week prior to this appalling scene, a similar instance occurred in the neighborhood of Baltimore, Maryland. A group of young black children still donning their school uniforms from earlier in the day were selling snow cones in their community until police shut them down for not obtaining the proper permits. While these young children were fortunate enough not to have been placed in handcuffs, the national crackdown on child-run businesses is having a far worse impact on the communities where the self-sustaining entrepreneurial spirit is needed the most. Breaking the cycle. In the District of Columbia, 26% of its black residents are below the national poverty line. Equally dismal for those black residents living in Baltimore, Maryland, is 27.6% are considered to be living below the poverty line. And yet... Rather than encouraging these communities to become self-sufficient, the state is penalizing those who have the most to gain from entrepreneurial endeavors. 
Whether it's selling lemonade on a neighborhood street corner or like the young men detained in D.C. this weekend selling cold bottles of water to overheated tourists, local law enforcement has cracked down and penalized minors who dare to start a business without first obtaining a government license. However, in other areas, specifically more affluent communities, where the level of those living below the poverty line are not quite as high as Baltimore and Washington, D.C., you would rarely find young entrepreneurs placed in handcuffs for making a few extra dollars. Perhaps this is what makes the scene on the National Mall this weekend so horrific. Officers on the scene claimed that this extreme measure taken against these teens was done in order to ensure police safety, exemplifying yet again how members of lower socioeconomic communities are constantly facing state obstacles. Not only are these licensing laws not being not doing anything substantial to actually protect consumers, they are disproportionately impacting the most economically vulnerable communities in negative ways. And as a result, the vicious cycle of poverty becomes incredibly difficult to escape. For most of these young entrepreneurs, it never once occurred to them that they would even need such a thing before engaging in the economy. And who can blame them? In addition to these permit requirements being absolutely meaningless, the public school system has done nothing to foster an environment where young people are encouraged to go out and be active participants in the economy. Imprisoned by um, compulsory education. Compulsory education has mandated that adolescents must sit in a desk for six to eight hours a day, caged away from the rest of society and isolated from the critical thought or practice life skills. Instead of teaching student precepts of the free market and allowing them to actually experience capitalism in action, they are kept in a state of dependency until the day they turn 18. Then after this magical government sanctioned rite of passage has occurred, we throw them out into the, the real world and expect them to know how to find a job and make money. Truthfully, it is amazing that these young people even want to get a job and make money after the system has crushed their spirits for 13 years. But in cities with higher levels of poverty, this becomes an even greater problem, especially when college is not a desirable or feasible option. The ability to create business or learn practical skills that can be used to cater market demand is profitable for those of all socioeconomic backgrounds, but especially those eager to break the cycle of poverty. But for those in the more economically vulnerable communities, the system disproportionately impacts their ability to succeed as an independent adult. Instead of encouraging them and their entrepreneurial spirit, we teach them useless skills and prevent them from opting out of school in favor of apprenticeships or other specialized courses of learning. In fact, the system not only prohibits these students from looking for alternatives to K-12 education, it criminalizes those who stop attending just as it criminalizes those who do not ask the government for permission before starting a business. This was unfortunately exemplified this weekend in Washington, D.C., the boys were detained 
were merely trying to be entrepreneurial, understanding the tourist season. In the summer heat created enormous demand for cold water. These teens spent their weekend creating value. They weren't out getting into trouble or committing offenses. They were trying to be financially self-sufficient and instead found themselves handcuffed like a common criminal. That's discouraging, isn't it? Just absolutely awful. And I've seen that within the education system as well. Um, in the public schools, you know, some schools that could be very close to each other, but one is a little poorer than the other, um, they get less of the tax money. When it, in my, I mean, I, I know that some schools may make more money because they have more students, but I'm telling you, in some cases, that is not the case. So it's just that they're not giving them the money they need. So um, it's very discouraging. I mean, public school does get more money than they really need to educate if they were really going to educate. Uh, I will say that. But it, there is a lot of obstacles out there for people from these different backgrounds and that's not fair and it's not right. And these kinds of things should absolutely never happen to students. Do you agree with me? What are your thoughts? Have you experienced this kind of issue yourself or your family or your children? Would love to hear from you. We're gonna take a quick commercial break and we're gonna be right back. Right now, right now, you might be, you might be struggling, struggling through your classes, through your classes or, even or even failing, failing them. them. You might be worried that you may not finish high school. There might have even been a thought that you may not be smart enough. Well, the New Heights Educational Group begs to differ. We not only think you are smart enough, but with our help, you will complete your high school diploma. The New Heights Educational Group strives to improve your academic success through its tutoring services. To learn more, please visit newheightseducation.org and contact us. New Heights Educational Group educational resources to help reach your goals. Welcome back to the New Heights Show on Education. This is your host, Pamela Clark, and you're listening to Education in the News. The next stories I have from you is from Smart Brief on Special Education. So let's get right on into it. These story, or the first story I have um, from, from this, this is from the New Orleans Advocate and the Times, Picayune, I'm not sure um, how to say that exactly, Picayune, it's P-I-C-A-Y-U-N-E. Anyways, the title of the story is Dyslexia-Focused Elementary School to Open in L.A. Louisiana, or I'm sorry, Open in Louisiana, I don't know why I said that. Uh, Louisiana Key Academy will begin operating a second public charter school specifically focused on students with dyslexia. Located in Covington in St. Ta Tammany Parish, the campus is set to welcome 115 first through fourth graders for the first day of the school year on August 11th. And the Jersey Shore Online in Lakehurst, New Jersey, reports that a New Jersey lifeguard teach children with autism how to surf. 
The Brick Township, New Jersey Recreation Department and the group Parents of Autistic Children recently held an autism surf day for children on the beach. Township lifeguards and local high school football players helped about 60 children with autism learn how to surf and parents said the kids enjoyed the lessons. And this story was picked up by San Jose Mercury News in California. Petition seeks staff housing at California school to help to help offset housing for staffers of the California school for the deaf. Petitioners are asked to the asking the state to build low cost housing for new staff members on school grounds. Many staff members struggle to afford housing near the school which has contributed to staffing issues. And WHS-TV in Harrisonburg, Virginia, reports that tech to help college students with visual impairments. James Madison University in Virginia aims to make college more accessible for students with visual impairments through a partnership between the university Microsoft Soundscape, Central Region, Nordic Alliance, and the Virginia Department for the Blind and Visually Impaired. The technology will provide audio effects such as ticks and bells and give vocal directions in addition to other features. K-12 Dive reports that the concern is growing over teacher shortages. There is no apparent one-size-fits-all solution to the widespread teacher shortages, with officials saying that the school and the district needs differ. Shannon Holston, Chief of Policy and Programs at the National Council on Teacher Quality, adds, however, that programs in Kentucky and Pennsylvania to grow more diverse teacher workforces are promising. And Health Day News reports that a higher prevalence of COVID-19 seen in use than adults. A study published in JAMA Network Open found that younger persons were more susceptible to getting COVID-19 early on during the pandemic than older adults. In 16 of 19 states analyzed, including Florida, where there was 1.94 times the risk of contracting COVID-19 among adolescents, in youth ages 10 to 24. Quote, these results suggest that contrary to reports from Europe and Asia, infection rates and relative risks among all U.S. adolescents and youth exceeded that in older adults from the start of the COVID-19 pandemic through fall 2020 before vaccines were available, researchers wrote. Uh, these are taken from Smart Brief on EdTech. And um, so I, guess, I guess some repeats here. Hold on a second. EdScoop reports that college's data is outdated and disorganized. Many higher education institutions struggle with outdated and disorganized data structures. Per a report from Cause, which studies IT matters, the reports, the report's authors write that improvement 
quote, requires extensive investments in institutions, data infrastructures, and guidance, and meaningful engagement with data across the institution requires intentional and coordinated transformation in institutional culture and operations. Education Week reports that inflation drives up costs for schools. School districts nationwide are reporting steep increases in the price of everything from fuel to paper due to inflation. For example, in Mesa Public Schools in Arizona, a case of paper now costs $41 compared to $23.29 in the beginning of 2020. I think it's going to get much worse than this. I don't know what you think. I would love to hear from you, though. Do you think it's going to get a lot worse? Do you think this is just the beginning of the cost increases for all of us, not not just schools, but across all spectrums of our society? Uh, this story was picked up by Digital Trends and Social Media Today. TikTok is to offer closed captioning translation tools. TikTok is making its platform more accessible by slowly rolling out auto-generated closed captions, video descriptions, and text sticker translations. The features will initially support English, Spanish, and seven other languages. And um, this story is from the Deseret News in Salt Lake City, Utah. District superintendents encourage women in leadership. In Utah, the Grand County School District Superintendent Taryn Kay is one of six women serving as superintendent in the state. And Kay says they need to encourage and support women seeking leadership positions. Women making up 72% of the K-12 public educators in the U.S., but only 13% of school superintendents are women, a study by AASA. The School Superintendents Association finds. I've got a lot of repeats here. Just bear with me for a moment. This is uh, from K-12 Dive, and it says legislation would expand pre-mill eligibility. Legislation to reauthorize federal child nutrition programs has been introduced to Congress and would broaden eligibility for free school meals, address summer food insecurity for students, and provide funding to support farm-to-school programs, among other provisions. Quote, the Healthy Meals, Healthy Kids Act take a long overdue steps to deliver on that goal by modernizing proven child nutrition programs and providing more children and families with access to nutrition assistance, says House Education and Labor Committee Chair Bobby Scott, who is a Democrat from Virginia. Education Weeks reports that Cardona announces guidance on students with special disabilities. The U.S. Department of Education has issued guidance and resources to help support, support the needs of students with disabilities and to address the 
disproportionately high rate of expulsions and suspensions of these students. U.S. Education Secretary Miguel Cordona on Tuesday introduced four resources related to students with disabilities, including updated guidance that states educators must determine whether a student's behavior is related to their disability before engaging in disciplinary measures. But geez, you think they would have already thought of that. Um, okay, I guess that is all that I want to share on that one. Okay, so I have another, um, I have more news from the Department of Education, state and local news here in Ohio. Dayton Daily News reports that Preschool Promise expands to Uber Heights. Preschool Promise is expanding to Uber Heights next year, giving more access to families who need a high-quality education for preschool to age preschool-aged children. Interested families must enroll by the start of the school, says Robin Lightcap, the director of Preschool Promise. The nonprofit estimates 120 kids will sign up for a preschool through Uber Heights expanded program in the next school year. Uber Heights schools are adding a preschool classroom to their existing preschool with a Preschool Promise grant of up to $200,000 which will add up to 40 additional slots. The district will bill for the actual cost of the teachers and benefits, like Cap said. Zaneville's Time Reporter reports that Zaneville City Schools to add more preschool classes in 2024. The Zanesville City Schools needs more space to educate their students. The Board of Education aided that effort by approving a project to build an additional in addition onto the middle school during July's monthly meeting. The addition will allow the district to move sixth graders in the middle school and free up 10 classrooms at each elementary elementary school. John McIntyre, Zane Gray, and National Road for preschool classes. Currently, Zane Gray is the only elementary school in the district with dedicated preschool rooms. Warren Tribune Chronicle-Telegram reports that Canfield schools request resident input. Canfield Local School District is intending an online survey asking residents what they want for the future. The result will help the district determine its direction for school buildings and land use. The survey will close on Friday. To date, it has seen a good number of responses, but Superintendent Joe Knoll wants to give everyone an opportunity to weigh in. In Warren Tribune Chronicle, um, it says inspiring entrepreneurship. Area youth have spent past six weeks learning how to create and promote product as part of the Inspiring Mind Summer Enrichment Program. The program, which is making its 11th year, concludes this week as the participants will showcase their product to parents and friends during the summer market at Warren G. Harding High School. Carl Diggs, program director, said that the six-week summer program that began in June focused on entrepreneurship. Chillicothe Gazette reports that Ohio University expands degree options at regional campuses. 
The Ohio University is working to change regional campus degree offerings and financial aid options to make the campuses more accessible. The commitment to new degree offerings is part of a multi-pronged investment across the university's regional commuter campuses, all focused on increasing degree attainment to meet workforce demand across the region in fields such as health care, education, business leadership. The university is also working to expand high school partnerships to offer more college credit plus courses, which can lower the total cost of a degree for families. Uh, the next two stories I have for you are both from the Toledo Blade. And it says, the next generation Chinese school sustains language heritage in Northwest Ohio. Although some parents began teaching Chinese lessons in Toledo as early as the 1970s, it wasn't until 1997 that a school was formally established at the Toledo Chinese Alliance Church. About 50 students attended. By 2007, it became a registered nonprofit in the state of Ohio and moved into the Maumee Valley Country Day School. Along with the language classes for students ages 4 to 18, the school offers programming and everything from classical Chinese painting to chess and tennis. It runs from noon to 3 p.m. every Saturday during the academic year. The next story from the Toledo Blade says that a school drive aims to fill 750 backpacks. Filling 750 backpacks with donated school supplies is the goal of Ready, Set, School, a campaign to help needy children was scheduled for, needy children scheduled for Wednesdays at Appliance Center in Maumee. Volunteers from Lucas County Children's Services and Buckeye Broadband will be stationed at a drive through drop-off at 321 Illinois Avenue from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. and from 4 to 7 p.m. to accept donations of new stale-wrapped school supplies such as pens, binders, and notebooks. Um, I apologize that that will be expired by the time that you hear this um, show, so I apologize for that. Okay, so hold on just one moment here. I'm going to do another quick commercial break and then be right back. Hello, listeners. If you're enjoying the New Heights show on education and want to support or donate to our organization, please visit www.newheightseducation.org. And while you're there, check out our online store. Welcome back to the New Heights Show on Education. This is your host, Pamela Clark, and you're listening to Education in the News. So uh, the next story I have for me is from Yakima Herald Republic in Washington. Washington State students help construct tiny houses. <clears throat> Excuse me. The West Valley School District in Washington State is partnering with the Opportunities Industrialization Center to help students earn a GED while gaining career experience in such trades as welding and construction. Through the program, students are part of a statewide effort to construct tiny houses. 
eSchools News reports that keep PE engaging with tech project-based learning, integrating project-based learning and technology such as wearable fitness trackers into physical education lessons keeps students engaged and active, writes PE teacher Ismail Caron. Safe classroom time for active engagement, not written assignments to help make the most out of the active time to get together, Karen writes. And the National Public Radio reported on this story and it's titled, School Clubs Help Support Graving Students. The coronavirus pandemic is estimated to have left more than 200,000 children in the U.S. grieving the loss of a parent or primary grandparent caregiver. At one school in Florida, students have found support through an on-campus grief club. Bear with me while I bring up the next story. A lot of scrolling. Uh, Okay, the next story I have for you was written by Isaac M. Morehouse, and it's from FEE, FEE.org, F-E-E. And it says, the last leg university stand on is collapsing. What a title. You know, this was written January 22nd, 2022, so it is a little bit older, but um, still, let's, let's get right into it. Universities are dying. They have long ceased being the best way to gain knowledge. More recently, the degrees they offer have ceased being the best way to signal employability, the only exception being jobs that legally require them. Such jobs are increasingly stodgy, unattractive, bureaucratic, backwards, and subservient to tyrannical governments. The final leg universities stand on its mythology of social status. That's it. That's what gives them what waning power they have. I can't count the number of parents I've talked with who recognize that college is one of the worst places to learn and degrees are one of the weakest ways to try to get hired, but who still needlessly bite the bullet and send their kids anyway. Well, that's what happens with the public schools too. So it, it, for me, it's hard to understand why um, why they do that. Um, but we're here to help families of all backgrounds, but it is sad because if they saw and heard everything that I see in here, they definitely wouldn't want their kids there. Anyways, back to the article, I'm sorry. Often they shackle themselves or their children to tens of thousands in debt along the way, they despise the infantilizing policies on campus and bitter ideas in the classroom. They see the waste, corruption, stupidity, warped worldview, and bad habits cultivated and rewarded by the system, but they still send their kids. Why? Why? Because they value the king's social status indicator of a degree. They want a shortcut to communicate to the world that they are good parents and their kids are better than most. 
Even when they know college experience is not good for their kids, many go through with it because they panic. They don't know how to face other parents who ask what their kids are doing. They don't know how to deal with the social expectation among the masses that college is somehow acceptable or respectable, I should say. I can think of a few things less respectable than unthinkingly going into debt to spend half a decade drinking and begrudgingly completing meaningless assignments for professors detached from the world all so you can emerge with a piece of paper that does nothing to help you start a career and mindsets that make success harder. This doesn't mean it's not possible for the college experience to be good or valuable or any of those things. The point is, almost no one seriously analyzes it. Almost no one sets out specific goals, examines the various ways to achieve them, and compares college to the relevant alternatives, because only college confers the social praise of the self-appointed, quote, important people. The priests of our cultural religion teach you that you are not important without a degree. It's the equivalent of a blue check mark on Twitter, a self-serious symbol that turns out to be a better indicator of who is a fool or apologist for tyrants than those who are serious people. As easy as it is to see the foolishness of university degrees as a status symbol from the distance, the spell the priests have cast over half over the past half century remains powerful, even for those who should know better. A college degree does not make you serious, important, or special in any way. It only proves that you are willing to follow the crowd, a dangerous prospect, especially lately. Now universities are extending their absurdities to the bodily autonomy of their students. They are forcing students to cover their faces, swab their noses, present medical papers, or get injected with crony corporate concoctions they know little about. They are belittled, harassed, and in the process, the few social joys of campus life are reduced, and the, twi- the tuition, though, is increased. That was the time to pull the last leg out from under the zombie corpse of college. Now is the time to break the spell cast by its priests and reject the idea that degrees make you matter. Now is the time to courageously unleash human creativity and imagination and engage in alternative educational, social, and career experiences. This is a war of the mind, for the mind, a war of information, a war of control of human societies and cultures. This war requires you to believe the priest and accept the idea that the ivory tower is more important than you, and those they slap a stamp of approval on more than those who bypass the madness. The tyrannical individuals, the policies, the beliefs crippling the world today emanate from or emanate, excuse me, from universities and sphere of influence they enjoy. They continue to take your money and weaken young minds all while using their undue influence to make your life worse. Don't accept it. Don't allow it. You can overcome the influence of these experts by simply ignoring them and refusing to give your money, attention, and children. Institutional paper doesn't matter. The life, ideas, and actions of individuals, humans do. 
You are free to pursue life, learning, and career in any way you choose, investing your time, money, and energy anywhere you wish. Do you want to empower the system that wishes to enslave you? Or do you want to blaze a trail of freedom and show the world a better way? Wow, what a powerful article. Very well stated. What do you think? Do you agree? Do you disagree? What are your thoughts? Love to hear from you. Well, I think we're running out of time. Let me do a quick look. we got about four minutes. Uh, let's see. Okay, I could share a little bit more. This is from Philanthropy News Digest. And it says, University of Iowa receives $15 million for mental health education. The gift from the Scanlon Family Foundation will support the Iowa Center for School and Mental Health University's College of Education by expanding clinical support in collaboration with the Belene Blank Center. And um, this one says, Pandemic has led foundations to reconsider time horizons, survey finds. A survey conducted by the Rockefeller Philanthropy Advisors found that the global challenges of 2020 and 2021 led more than one-third of philanthropies surveyed to accelerate their spending and several more to consider revising their I'm sorry, philanthropic timelines. And HP commits $30 million in computers for displaced Ukrainians. Through the Digital Equity for Ukraine initiative, HP will distribute computers to the on the ground nonprofit organizations to aid thousands of students, teachers, and healthcare practitioners, and Microsoft will provide software support to nonprofits receiving the computers. Still with Philanthropy News Digest, Tall Family Foundation gives $3.5 million to USA Basketball Foundation the largest gift in the USABF Basketball Foundation since its launch since it was launched in 2019 will support the organization's youth and sport development programs aimed at empowering youth, championing women and promoting social responsibility. Uh, Guggenheim Museum receives 15 million dollar gift for education programs. In recognition of the gift from Gail and Alfred Engelberg and their foundation, the museum's 8,200-square-foot education space will be named the Gail May Engelberg Center for Arts and Education. Okay, I think that's about it. Let me see here. I see anything else I can share with you? Um, okay, this is still from Philanthropy News. It says California Community Foundations award $7.8 million to summer programs launched in 2020 to address the physical closures of Los Angeles County schools and community centers in response to COVID-19 pandemic. The LA County Summer Program Initiative supports learning and enrichment programs for low-income and vulnerable students in transitional kindergarten through 12th grade, or TK, 
12 schools. RIT receives $2 million gift for two endowed professorships. The gift, which the Institute has matched two to one as part of the $20 million challenge, will establish and endow two of the 10 planned professorships. Spencer Museum of Art receives $3 million gift. The gift will endow art or arts research integration, which embeds artists directly into the high-level research happening at the University of Kansas, enhancing the research ecology by positioning the creation of art and essential research mythology in its own right. All right, we have come to the end of this show. Thank you for joining me as usual. I want to remind the audience now that um, on Sundays, Barbara Bullen shares her, her show on civil rights. And that's always that always airs, that pre-recorded show always airs by 5 p.m. on Sundays, Eastern Standard Time. And then my show, uh, Education in the News, is shared every Wednesday by 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can find access to all of our shows at radio.newheightseducation.org and then on over 27 networks. So look us up on your favorite network and follow us. Please follow us. Help us keep coming to you and sharing these things with you. Until next time. We hope you enjoyed today's show. Don't forget to rate us and follow us on your podcast player. Check out our show page, radio.newheightseducation.org, for monthly announcements and other happenings.